It was 13 years ago today that one of the, the great men of God in our life passed into glory. And uh, I, don't, I don't know about you, but I would not be in this room today if it weren't for him. Uh, because my, my dad went home to be with Jesus 13 years ago this morning. And uh, I was just thinking, like, there are, you know, Jesus gave the parable about the seed that has to drop into the ground to die. And, and I know there, there's not always physical death. Sometimes there are things that we let go in our lives or seeds that we plant and God brings a harvest for them. Uh, but I really see uh, in retrospect, looking back on his life, there are seeds that dad planted that are still growing and producing fruit today. And uh, I just, I just, man, if, if mom's watching, I want to say we love you, mom. We're praying for you. We, we just know that... Uh, Man, dad, dad was big shoes to fill, like figuratively and literally, and uh, big shirts to fill and big pants to fill also. Um, oh, gosh, there's just so much good that's happening right now in New Life Fellowship and right now in our lives because of the man that my dad was. So I just wanted to take a second to just share that with you guys and just say thank you for being who you are as New Life. It's been an honor to, you know, obviously uh, 13 years ago when dad passed, it's 13 years ago we also, Pam and I, moved to Pittsburgh to come uh, take the church. Dad and the elders laid hands on me in his living room. Dad said, I feel like I've accomplished everything that God put me on earth to do and I'm ready to go home. And it was, it was two weeks after that that he passed. So, man, what a journey we've been on for 13 years. And I know that God has even better in store ahead of us. So just thank you for being in it with us. Uh, we've, been, we've been talking a little bit this month about habits. How are those New Year's resolutions going for anybody? We're, we're almost three weeks in. Has anybody have one that you're keeping? I'm, <laughs> somebody just said, I'm doing good because I didn't make any. Um, we're almost three weeks in, and, and we've been thinking about, are we looking forward to the new year? Have we been getting healthy? Have we been changing the way we've eaten? Whatever it is that you've thought about that you wanted to change this year. And uh, I was thinking this week, have you ever heard Christians make excuses, like why we don't do things or why we are the way we are? And I saw a couple pictures. The first one up there, uh, go ahead and put up that next slide, Connie. Uh, the doctor says, do you exercise much? She says, yes, I walk with the Lord daily. So uh, Christians might not be the best at keeping their excuses and changing their lives, but we make it sound good, don't we? Uh, hey, was the other picture up there too, Connie? There's a, there's a purple one right before that. There you go. Uh, this, this is something I said myself this week. Uh, I got on my bathroom scale this morning. Let me tell you, the full armor of God is heavy. Hallelujah. You've been armoring up. That's really what it is. We're not overweight and eating too much. We've just been so spiritual that we're putting on the armor. Uh, so we make great excuses, but the reality is we need to develop habits because they bring discipline and self-control in our lives. We need to be intentional about the things that we get rid of, even as Lydia gave that word today, the things we turn away from and the things we turn to and what we begin to change in our lives and put our hands to. Uh, for this series, we said that discipline is intentionally doing things that you may not want to do to move towards being the person that you want to be or the person that you were created to be. Uh, I will tell you, my flesh never wants to do what it takes to be that person. 
If, if it were up to my flesh, I would be a much bigger person, literally, in the natural. Uh, there are things that we do intentionally because we know is good for us, and we want to be the person that God created us to be. Uh, the key verse we've been using for this series, 1 Timothy 4, 8, says, Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Everybody say, training for godliness. That's what we're doing when we're talking about habits. We're talking about training for godliness because it gives benefits, not just in this life, but the life to come. There is something supernatural and eternal about developing habits as a Christian. And uh, the goal of all Christian habits is what? To know Jesus better. We're not doing these things. This has been another theme this morning, too. We were talking about the rally. We're not showing up on Sunday mornings just to go through the routine. Or as we said in the circle this morning, we're not showing up just to do the duty. Come on. You know it's okay to say duty in church, right? Come on. We show up because Jesus comes, and he does something supernatural, and there's something life-giving that happens when we come. So when we do the things we're talking about, uh, the first week we talked about reading the Bible. We're reading through the book of John together in the month of January. Last week we talked about what it looks like to pray every day and and have a prayer life that really is life-giving and communing with God. We're not just going through the motions. We want to develop these habits because we want to know Jesus better and look exactly like him in the world when people see our lives. This week, I want to talk about a habit that Jesus actually talked about a lot. And there are some people in the world that they think this is the only thing that people talk about when they come together in church. And that is the habit of giving. And I'm I'm literally going to talk about financial giving, giving our money. Uh, That's what everybody in the world seems to think, oh, that's all they ever talk about in church. And we don't talk about it as often as Jesus did. If you look through Scripture, I think it's something like one out of every nine verses in the book of Luke had something to do with money or giving. There were third of his parables Jesus taught were actually on giving and something to do with worldly wealth. So he talked about it even more than we do because it connects with what's going on in our heart and who we really are and what's important to us. So I want to talk about the habit of giving today. I want to start with Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Jesus was talking to his disciples, giving them some teaching, some insight of how to live. And he says this, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. There's a lot of stuff happening in that verse that we could unpack. Jesus is talking about receiving. He's talking about our attitude, how much we should give, the measure we use. But that verse starts with give. Everybody say give with me. We can't have an expectation to experience any of the other stuff in that verse, the receiving and all those blessings, if we don't start with give. That, that is Jesus giving a command to his people. He's saying give. There's an expectation that this would be a routine part of a Christian's life. Give, and it will be given unto you. You will receive. So just like any other habit, we have to be intentional about it. If we, if we even come today and say, Lord Jesus, I don't know what it's going to look like, but I'm choosing today to give because you said it in the word. That's part of our life and who we are. That's a good place to start. But like any other habit, we have to be intentional. To be intentional, you need to have a plan, have regular times, places, and amounts that we give. Uh, yes, I would like you to give here, but also I like us to give to other places that are helping people. I like us to give directly to people who are in need. How many of you have ever experienced the joy of giving directly to somebody who's in need? 
Like they weren't expecting it. Maybe they didn't even know where it came from. And you just saw the way it blessed them and turned their life around. There is a joy that's released in our lives from giving. And yes, even the habit of giving should help us to know Jesus better. Come on, it's not different than reading the Bible or praying. If we say the goal is to know him better, the same thing applies to the habit of giving. It should be to know him better and to look more like him in the world. I think giving's important because how many of you know giving is an action, but it develops generosity in us? And that's a character trait. So we habits, we do these actions because we want to change our character. That's what we're really after. So when we give, it begins to develop generosity in us. It's a lifestyle. It's a mindset. It's an attitude that God wants to have in us. Uh, I saw one person talking about generosity recently, and he defined it as the habit of giving freely without expecting anything in return. Man, if we only give out of obligation we miss the beauty of what God wants to develop in us. If we give with this idea of, hey, I got to get something back. I'm going to give because it's going to unlock something and release it. That's the only reason I'm giving. We're missing the point of it. Uh, here's another cartoon up here if you want to go to the next slide. Uh, the kid with the loaves and fishes when Jesus fed the 5,000. He says, uh, about my loaves and fishes, could I get a receipt for tax purposes? How many of you know if that's part of our giving, we may have missed the point. As crazy as it may sound to you, giving without expecting to get something is exactly what positions us to receive. Come on, let me say that one more time. Giving without expecting to get anything is what positions us to receive it. If we give with strings attached, if we give thinking, oh, I've got to get something in return, we'll miss out on the blessing we won't receive. But the moment we get, this is crazy because the world tells you the exact opposite. Give because of what you can get from people. Give because what you're going to get back. And Jesus says, hey, just give. No strings attached. And the moment we do that, it actually moves us into a place where, wow, I can receive. I've got these blessings flowing in my life now. There are some very real things that God has promised to people who give. Generosity is part of experiencing that life that Jesus came to give us. We talk about it a lot. We say Jesus came to give abundant life to everybody that would follow him so that we would know what it means to see eternal life, not just after we die, but in the here and now. And generosity is actually part of the path that lets us experience that life. There's a verse in Psalm 112 that says this, Life is good for the one who is generous and charitable, conducting their affairs with honesty and truth. Their circumstances will never shake them, and others will never forget their example. Some translations say good will come to those who are generous. How many of you would like good to come to your life? That's, if you're awake this morning, that should be a hand-raising opportunity. I have not yet met any person that ever said to me, man, Pastor Chris, I can't wait. I'm just expecting and really desire things to go crummy for me. I just, I'm ready. I'm, God, let my life fall apart. I'm so ready for it to fall apart. I've never met that person. We are all the people that we want good to come to us. We buy those mugs that say life is good. You ever buy one of those at the beach or t the t-shirt, life is good? We all want that. We want to be able to say, man, life is good. Good has come to me and my family and the people around me. Well, part of the way it comes to us is we become generous people. That's what that verse says. Life is good if we're generous. That's part of what unlocks it for us. We all want good in our lives. We just have to be careful that we're not pursuing it in ways that don't work. The world says life will be good if you get as much as you can. 
if you have more than everybody else, if you have a bigger house, car, bank account balance, whatever it is, the world says that's how life is good. But God's plan brings goodness into our lives the more generous we are when we let things go, when we care first about our character and helping the people around us. And I love what it says in verse 6. It says, their circumstances will never shake them. How many of you know that's a good verse for 2020 and 2021? Like right where we are. Did you ever think that you could be unshakable and not be stirred by your circumstances if you just became more generous? Like there's a, there's a lot of people this past year and a half that they've been like hoarding and holding on like, oh, I'm so nervous. I'm afraid. I can't give anymore. I've, I've got to hold on to what I have because we're in the middle of an emergency. Come on, like we talk about having an emergency fund and all these other things in budgeting. And there's people that are really thinking, I'm in an emergency. I can't help anybody else right now. I just got to do for me and mine. And they're being shaken. And people that have become generous, even in the midst of a storm around us, says our circumstances will never shake us. There's a, there's a solid footing that we can have when we are generous, honest, and true. Man, talk about a promise we need for everybody right now. So generosity really does put us on the path to experience that unshakable eternal life that Jesus has for us. Uh, I also think generosity that God wants to develop in us is part of how the world sees him. And I tell you that one of the first things that people ever hear about Jesus is John 3.16. Come on, everybody knows, right? For God, what? So loved the world that he gave. Come on, God is a giver. When we develop that character and that trait in our lives, the world begins to see more of what he is like because he was stirred to give because of his love for us. When we develop generosity, it really does make us more like him. Uh, Paul was actually writing a letter to the church in Corinth, and uh, he, was, he was writing them about an offering they were going to take. And, and I was just thinking as I'm reading this verse in my notes, I'm like, maybe I ought to write all of us a little note about the offerings we're going to take and what we should do. Come on, we, we think, man, those people that are always asking for money, they're so forward, and I get these letters in the mail. Or these, I've heard some horror stories about specifically churches in giving that I almost don't want to share sometimes because it gives the church a bad name. We're not those people. But it's like I look at Paul, and he was pretty forward with asking people to help. And this is what he wrote to the church in Corinth. Uh, they were getting ready to take up an offering for the church in Jerusalem. And Paul was getting ready to come collect it. And he had told them, they had actually promised him up front, here's how much we're going to give. And he was writing them to say, you better give what you promised. You better come through on this. Can you imagine the nerve of that guy? He'd get run out of some churches today. But he was writing them to say, you better have that gift ready. And in 2 Corinthians 9, 13, he says, as a result of your ministry... And he says, as a result of your ministry, what he's talking about there, a couple verses before that, he had specifically just talked about the ministry and the grace to give. So he's talking about literally reaching in our pocketbook, reaching in our bank account, however you access money today, shaking your phone at the thing at the store. He was talking about giving money as a ministry, as a grace that God gives us to do. And he says, as a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. For your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. Man, Paul's talking about taking an offering, and he says when you give, it's going to cause people to give glory to God. 
How about that for a paradigm shift? That there really is something when people see our generosity, it stirs them to thank God about it. It stirs them to give glory to him. And it's proof. I, this verse is really in the Bible. He says, when he's talking about giving, he says, your generosity will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. Man, our giving is proof that we have received the gospel. Come on, it's not, come on, Pastor Chris, isn't the gospel just we share about Jesus at the end of service and everybody raises a hand or we just get saved? It's more than that. It changes our whole lives. And part of the proof that our life has been changed is we become generous people. We choose to give what we have to share with others. Part of how the world sees what God is like is through whether or not we are generous people. I, I hate to think about any times when people have watched my life and said, I don't want to have anything to do with God because he'll make me stingy and mean like Chris. Part of how the world sees him is through our lives. And the more generous we are, the more we reflect what he's like to the world because God so loved that he gave. Uh, here's another thing that I think generosity does in us. Uh, it not only shows the world what God is like, but generosity also deepens our relationship with him. Uh, when I talk, believe it or not, I don't know how it goes in your house, but when I talk with Pam about our finances, it deepens our relationship and sometimes makes fireworks and, and excitement and, and intense fellowship, as we call it sometimes in our house. But it, it deepens our relationship because there are things that we process together, things that we talk about, things that we share and say, man, what are our priorities together? It's actually one of the, the things that draws us closer in our marriage is talking about our money together. Isn't that amazing? All right, thank you. Pam's saying yes and nodding at me, so I know that is amazing. And some of you are thinking, man, we never talk about money because it... That should be what it looks like because we process these things together. It draws us closer. It, can I tell you, it's actually the same way having a conversation about money with Jesus because we get to hear his heart. He gets to hear what's on our heart. Like, Lord Jesus, I'm, I'm worried or I'm nervous or I'm, I'm thankful and I'm excited. Like, whatever it is, when we share that with him, it actually deepens that relationship. I'm, I'm talking about giving can deepen our relationship with Jesus, just like any other Christian habit. This is one of the ways it happens when we actually talk to him about the finances and what's going on in our lives. This is even better than Pam and I having a conversation in the natural. When I begin to talk with Jesus, I begin to see his priorities. I begin to hear what's on his heart. Oh, Oh, man, you really love people. You want to help people. You, you want people to prosper. There are things that we hear and receive from Jesus if we're willing to have a conversation with him about money. Man, all the time we say, man, I'd like to hear God speak. I'd like to know his plans for my life. But for some reason, we draw a line around our money. Like, I want to hear God speak about how much he wants to bless me and ways he wants to heal me and move here, but I don't really, oh, what was that, Lord? You, you said something about giving money somewhere? Like, I don't know why, but sometimes we act like we don't want to hear his voice in certain areas. And I will tell you, this is an area where he wants to speak to us because he wants us to know him better, and he wants to come and be right in the middle of everything that concerns us. And this is what 
2 Corinthians 9, 7, uh, when we're talking about generosity and our relationship with God, this is a verse that I actually believe is the, is the New Testament standard for giving in the church. In 2 Corinthians 9, 7, it says, Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. This, this is the New Testament standard for giving. Give what you've decided in your heart. I've heard people uh, preach giving in church before out of Malachi. How many of you have ever heard a sermon like that? You're robbing God because you're not giving your tithes and your offerings. You're under a curse, the whole lot of you. Come on. Galatians 3 says that Jesus became a curse for us when he went to the cross. He freed us from the effects of the curse. You are not under a curse if you're not tithing. But Malachi, he goes on to say, test me in this and see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out more than you can hold. He got rid of the curse that had to do with tithing, but he never changed anything about the blessings we can experience from that. Come on, tithing literally means 10%. If you study that out, it means giving at least a tenth of your income. And I don't think... Anybody, God's not sitting up there with his list saying, I'm going to smite you because you only gave 6% or 4% or whatever. But there are blessings that we miss out on if we're not being generous people. Because at the end of the day, what it comes down to is each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. When he says each man, he's literally saying everybody is included in this. There's something that we all can give, uh, not just the rich people, not just a certain group, not just the people that sit on the right side or the left side. Uh, if I said that, we'd, help, we'd have a mass shift in where everybody sits in the church every Sunday. He literally says each man should decide. And when he says decide in your heart, I don't think that means just you. I think that means having a conversation with God. Like where, where does that conversation happen? Right here in my heart. Because I'll tell you, any time I've, I've tried to dis- use this verse and say, hey, I'm just going to decide on my own what's in my heart to give, that number gets smaller and smaller if it's just up to me. I, I'm kind of a math nerd engineer. I, like, I can make my tithe look bigger by adding zeros on the right side of the decimal all day long. Yes, <laughs> I want to be precise in my giving. I'll take it out to so many decimals. But when I get God involved, I don't, I don't know how it works for you, but he always stretches me a little bit. He's always asking me to be a little bit more generous than I would be just on my own in my flesh. Come on, this is, these are one, we're talking about things we're turning around, changing our way of thinking and walking the other way. In my flesh, I don't want to give any of you anything. And I love you guys. You're some of my closest friends in the world. But in my flesh, nah. Like, hey, we'll, we'll go Dutch at lunch today, okay? But as soon as God gets involved, you can't take it out of your pocket fast enough. I, I don't know what it is. We've, I've had church services before where it's like you just know the anointing is there. You ever be in one of those services where it's like at the end of service, you, you just want to hug everybody and you want to give them whatever money you have or you want to take them all to lunch and pay for the whole room. Like, I don't know what it is, but when God gets involved, he does stretching that always says be a little more generous than you've been in the past. And that's what I think that verse means when it says we should give what we've decided in our heart. Not just my heart by itself, but my heart where that space with God is. That I have that conversation and say, Lord, where do you want me to stretch? Who do you want me to give to? 
In the end, though, he wants our decision to bring joy to our lives. He says God loves a cheerful giver. He doesn't, he doesn't want to have a conversation with us where he says, Here's, we're going to talk about giving now, and it's going to end up with you on the floor with me pinning your arm up behind your back saying, are you going to give that much now? And you're like, okay, God, I'll give. That's not the conversation he's after. He's after a conversation where he says, hey, let's talk about this. And when we settle on a mount, you're like, wow, God, I don't know if I have the faith for that, but I'm going to do it because I know I've heard your voice. And I know you've got good plans for me. And you always bless me no matter what risk I take. So I'm excited about it now. That's the kind of giving that he wants us to get to. Not the giving of, man, I, I, you know, those people, it squeaks when you pull it out of their hand. Like, or the, the, whatever they're giving rips in half because they're holding on to it. So, Like, if that's you, just don't give it. Like, don't give it till you get to a place of God changed my heart. Help me to be that cheerful giver that you're talking about. Joy comes from knowing we've heard his voice because he always has our best in mind. Man, and then this is what happens. 2 Corinthians 9, 8, the very next verse says, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. Can I tell you that giving releases grace in your life? There is something about it, that empowerment, the Holy Spirit coming to empower me to do whatever he's asked me to do, not in my own strength, not because I've worked it. It's a gift from him, but that grace from him comes to do whatever is needed in any moment he wants me to do it. It's released in my life through generosity. When I give what I've decided in my heart, having that conversation with him, grace abounds to my life. If you study that verse, it actually talks about grace coming in super abundance, like more than you would actually need to do anything you've asked to do. There is something that's triggered in my life when I give. Everything I need at all times, come on, doesn't that sound like an amazing promise? To have everything I need at all times to do whatever I need to do, it starts with being a giver. Whew. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for putting so much good stuff in the Bible about giving. Uh, knowing that God wants us to be generous, and there really are benefits from it and promises that he makes to us. I just had a couple things I wanted to share with the status of generosity as a whole with people in our country right now. And uh, here are some stats about where we are as a people group. And I'm not saying this is not... These stats aren't specifically new life. These aren't the people in this room. I'm just saying this is what's going on with the country because there are people that facilitate giving for churches that do surveys and see the stats and they know these things. Um, oh, this is some good news. I'm not sharing these as a downer, but just looking at what's going on and what could we change if we change a habit in our lives. Uh, people who attend church more than twice a month. So these are like frequent church attenders, according to their category. Frequent church attenders give about four and a half times more to charity than people that don't go to church regularly. Huh, why do you think that is? Maybe they've seen the faithfulness of God, or they know that God wants us to be generous and to be givers. Uh, if you're interested in the numbers, the money actually works out to uh, people that attend church frequently give about $3,000 away to charities every year, and people that don't attend church only give about 700 bucks to charity for the whole year. And that's any charity that's out there. So frequent church attenders really are more generous because God's working in our lives. Everybody say, that's good news. Uh, this, the second stat I saw that I, I just wanted to share is the average Christian gives about 2.5% to their church. 
And I'm and I'm I saw that stat and I just started laughing. I'm like, here we are, everybody that comes, you, you have all these arguments about does God want you to tie? Should we give ten percent or not? When like three percent would be an increase from where the average is in the whole country right now. But I will tell you this, we read that verse. Decide in your heart what to give. If two and a half percent is what God told you to give, don't you dare give any more. Come on. Cause then when we start thinking, oh, well, that God, that's an easy one. I'll give beyond that, and I'll be, I'll be super righteous because I'm giving more. Then you've missed the will of God. Like maybe he's telling you only give that amount because I see something coming down the road that you're going to need to have something set aside for. I don't know what it is, but I'm just saying give what he's talked to you in your heart about giving, not reluctantly or under compulsion. That's, that's what we're after. But I know 2.5% is probably 2.5% because some of us, maybe aren't giving what he's asked us to. I'll just leave that one there. Talk to God. Decide what he wants you to give. Uh, in the average church in the United States right now, people who actually give 10%, tithers, make up anywhere from 10 to 25% of the congregation. So if, if you have committed to tithe on your income, you are in the minority. Like you are doing something that not everybody else is doing right now. So God bless you. I just think that number tells me there's a lot of people missing out on extra blessings seeing the windows of heaven opened over their lives and things gushing out to a, a way that they can't contain it all, like God says. Um, so those are the stats. Please don't feel convicted or judged by any of that. Uh, there is another stat that I wanted to share that I saw that I, I started thinking in our culture, where we live in the United States right now, maybe this is actually more of the issue that has to do with generosity. 80% of people who regularly give to church have no credit card debt. Think about that for a second. It's, it's hard to feel the excitement and the freedom to be generous when we have the weight of debt holding us down. And I thought, I don't, I don't think that 2.5% or 3% or 10% or am I giving enough? Is it 700 a year or more? Like, I don't think that's the real issue. I think the real issue that's driving those stats in our country is am I free to give or have I weighed myself down with debt? Ooh, 33% of people that have credit card debt only pay the minimum balance each month. It will take you years and years and years to get free if that's the way you roll with your credit card debt. This actually, if, if you read the stats further, uh, people only paying the minimum on their credit cards translates to people paying an average of over $1,000 a year in interest. Think about this for a second with me. There are a lot of people in our country right now, they're paying more in interest to credit card companies on their debt than they're giving away in charity. Wouldn't it be amazing if we could get free from some of that so that we could give in places where it actually makes a difference instead of going to big corporations that the way they make money is getting you on the hook to pay for things that you can't afford? Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. We love you so much today. If debt is holding you back from giving or being a generous person, I want to say a couple things to you today. Don't give up. There, there is a light. His name is Jesus, but he actually comes with practical tools and will help you dig out of that hole. Don't give up. It's not too deep. It's not too late. Uh, make a plan this year to destroy debt in your life. 
There, there may be some hard choices. We talked about discipline is intentionally doing things I may not want to do to get to where I need to be. This may be one of them, to make a plan to destroy debt. Oh, man, you mean I actually do have to cut the cable bill? Oh, that's, we talk a lot in our church about you can either say amen or ouch. Either one is fine, but just say something. Like, I may, I may have to go with, I'm only going to drink Starbucks once this week instead of five times. I, I don't know what it is for everybody. I'm just picking at random straws that are coming through my brain right now, and I'm not even going to tell you some of them that are coming in there. Thank you. Pam is saying thank you more than any of you. Pam's like, thank you, Jesus. Just keep them under control, Lord. Help them focus. There's a lot of intercession that happens right here on this front row when I'm talking to you guys. I don't, I don't know any other way to say that. But there are some hard choices that we may have to make to get to where we need to be. And if debt is holding you back from being a generous person, then that needs to go from your life. Come on, there are a whole lot of things. They may be different things than debt. There are things that are holding us back from being the people that Jesus has created and called us to be. And whenever we identify something that's holding us back from being who he's asked us to be, that should go from our lives. We should be ruthless about rooting those things out of our lives. And I believe that debt is one of those things because it keeps us from being generous people. What if God came today and said, man, there's, there's a trip coming up in this summer that's going to East Africa. I'd really like you to be a part of it and go on mission. And in, in your heart, you're like, man, I've had a heart for missions. I was just hoping somebody would ask me. And then you look at your bank statement and the credit card statement, and you're like, ah, the cost of the trip really doesn't fit in there. I can't go. Debt. Debt isn't evil that will keep us from doing what God's asked us to do sometimes. If, if, if you feel personally like it's holding you back, make a plan to destroy it this year. There, there are resources. There are things that we have at the church. We can help you. We can sit down and look at all the numbers. Please ask for help. Don't feel judged. We, I don't think it would be a stretch to say at some point in our lives, every single person in this room has made a mistake with money. Sometimes we get tripped up by the devil because we think the mistakes we've made or the things that we're going through, we're the only one that's ever been dumb enough to do that. And every single one of us has some story in our life where we're like, man, if I had that to do over again, ask for help. As part of how we don't have to make all the mistakes there are to make in the world ourselves. We're together because there's wisdom in a group. Come on. I, I had a boss at work one time that he always used to say the group IQ is higher than the individual IQ. It's true. He put us together for a reason, and we don't have to make all the mistakes ourselves. Ask for help. Don't feel judged about it. But I know debt holds us back from being generous, and God would like to root that out because he wants generosity to be a character trait in our lives. We serve a God that has no lack. I'll, I'll just If you're in debt right now, I just want to speak freedom over your life. Just begin to trust him. He is a God that has enough provision. He is the God that never runs short. He's always at work on our behalf. He, he can't. You can't outgive him. And the world would tell you, oh, you'll have to scrimp and save and don't be generous at all to get out of debt right now. And I will tell you, in God's economy, in the kingdom, one of the starting steps to help get out of debt is figure out how can I be generous right now where I am with what I have. There, there, that is a kingdom principle. If I start giving it away, if I start being generous, God's going to come and fill that lack. God wants to help us become generous for our own good. And then the other people around us profit too. So uh, our word this year at the church is change. 
I'm st- we'll still talk about that in the next couple months. But that's the word God spoke to New Life this year is to change. Maybe he might want to change something that's going on in our lives about how much we give, where we give, how generous we are. So my action point for us <laughs> that we're all going to be excited to do because God always comes through and has good plans for us is talk about your finances with God. That's, that's it. That should be an easy one. But the same way we've been sitting down to, to make time to read our Bible every day this month, the same t- way that we've been saying, hey, we're going to choose to pray every day this month, for even for people we don't like. How many of you enjoyed that test this week of like, hey, I'm, I'm going to pray for even the people I don't like right now. I, I was reminded this week, I should have made an extra statement on our homework last week. Pray for the people you don't like for God to bless them. Because somebody asked me, like, well, hey, I'm, I'm praying for that guy to get struck down. I'm like, no. <laughs> like, I'm like, dude, that's witchcraft. Stop that. Like, praying for somebody you don't like with the intent that I had last week was pray for God to bless them and see his goodness in their life, for their eyes to be open to who he is so that they would encounter him and change if they need to. But don't, please don't pray for anybody to get smitten. Like, oh. So this week. <laughs> uh, and if you did just repent and move on change your prayers this week uh, so this week spend some time at some point talk about your finances with God just invite him into the middle of that conversation whatever you do uh, with your finances if it's you sit and look at a spreadsheet or you see your bank statement or you whenever you have that moment where you're always thinking and worrying about what money you have and where it's going Ask God to come talk with you in the middle of that. And don't let it be a one-sided conversation. Because most of our conversations with God about money sound pretty one-sided. Just, God, this is what I need. This is what's going on. I need more. I need more. I need more. Take some time to listen and see what he wants to speak so that we really can say, this is what I've decided in my heart to give because I've heard Jesus and I've met with him about it. Let's go ahead and stand together. And... uh, I'm going to do something. I don't, I can't remember that we've ever done this in the history of pastoring. Uh, I know maybe other churches do it routinely, but I have never felt led to do this. Um, I'm going to ask some people from the ministry team to come stand up front. And uh, if you need a financial breakthrough in your life, I want you to come get prayer this morning. That's Like, come on, you guys know me. I am not one of those people that's all about like, oh, we're just prospering for prosperity's sake. There is a purpose to why we prosper because God wants to expand his kingdom. But but I'm not the one that cheerleads. Oh, come to church to get your financial miracle and get your breakthrough. But I feel like today is a day for that. And if you've been at a place, maybe 2020 has been hard. Maybe you're looking at the budget thinking, man, there's, there's no way I could be generous this year. Whatever it is, or you've, you've got more bills than money at the end of the month, you need a breakthrough. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, be ready. If, if you come and ask God for a financial breakthrough, be ready to do what he shows you. Come on, sometimes we, we, we just quickly, we equate financial breakthrough to there's going to be a check showing up in my mailbox. Come on, how many of you have ever heard somebody that it it operates like that? You just pray for this blessing and you wait and a check will come. God could do that if he wanted to. But most often, he gives you a plan 
and says, begin to do this and you will see the breakthrough come. Begin to do this and you'll see a change in your finances and your attitude towards it. So that's what I'm going to leave it at. If you need a financial breakthrough, come up and get in line and get some prayer before you leave this place today. And then be ready in your heart to do whatever God shows you to do when you're talking with him about your finances. And uh, if you're in this room or you're watching online, before you pray anything about giving, if you've never prayed to receive Jesus and start a relationship with him, that's the first prayer you ought to pray. Get, get ready to receive his life. Come on, how many of you know receiving <clears throat> the life of Jesus is better than any check you could get shown up in your mailbox? And if you've never done that before, this is a day to do that. Before you worry another minute about finances, pray that and say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God. And I receive you into my life right now. Come be my Lord and Savior. Take over the reins from me because I haven't run the ship that well. Man, in that moment, he'll come and he'll meet you and give you his life. We sang it this morning. He's the lover of your soul. Mm. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to pray. And even while I'm praying, if, if you want to start moving to come up and get prayer, please do that. And then I'll dismiss in a second. But Lord Jesus, we come before you right now. And God, help us to be people that don't hold so tightly onto things that don't matter. Uh, in the grand scheme of eternity, Lord God, I thank you that there are things that are more weighty than, than the bills that are piling up on the desk at home. Lord, I ask that you would come and take the weight of those things off of our minds and give us your peace. Lord, remind us that you've come to bless us, that the key to seeing breakthrough in our lives is to be generous people. Lord, let the world see you when they look at our lives. Lord, let them see people that love, people that are generous, people that care for one another, people that are walking together in unity. That's what we want the world to see when they look at us. Lord, help 2021 to be a year that we honor you with our giving, that, that we do exactly what you've asked us to do, not more and not less. Let us be right in step with your plans, even for our finances this year. We just say that we love you, Lord. We trust you. <laughs> Maybe I just feel like wherever you're standing right now, just tell them that even in your heart or under your breath, just say, Lord, I trust you. Sometimes it's hard to really say that. That's, that's another part of why we're together because people in this room have testimonies about seeing the faithfulness of God, even in our finances. And we need to remind everybody that God is a God that can be trusted. So we say that we trust you right now, Lord Jesus, with everything that concerns us. Lord, have your way in our lives. God, I just thank you that your hand for good is upon us, that you are moving us forward, that you are taking us to places that maybe even look different than where we've been before. But we trust you in the journey. We just say we love you, we honor you, and we give you glory now in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. I'm going to encourage you one more time. Please come get prayer. If you need a financial breakthrough, don't, don't leave this room without doing it because there is an anointing here to release that this morning. So I will see you guys next week at either 9.30 or 11. If you show up at 10, you'll be either way too late for the first service or way too early for the second. So we love you guys. Have a great week. And we'll see you together next week to worship with the body of Christ at large. God bless you.